My name is David Powell Freeman. I'm coming to you from above and beyond. Mike Myers with another episode of Above and Beyond, brought to you by the Reengineering Australia Foundation, where we strive to engage, inspire and educate students, teachers and industry about the career pathway options that exist in fields of science, technology, engineering and maths. It's important to have students engage with the industry as much as possible prior to leaving school as a method of building their career knowledge. In all REA programs, be that F1 in schools, subs in schools, space in schools and 4x4 in schools, students are judged in up to 13 different areas of their project, including their portfolio, their verbal presentation, the development of their trade display and the engineering content, their design and design process. Exposing them to as many career options as possible early in the education cycle will help them choose a career that fits with both their motivations and their passions. The transition to the world of work should be a logical step in their career journey, and the more exposure we can provide the students, the more preparation they will have to take their first career step. The people involved in the judging process come from industry, and thus the students are exposed to many opportunities to interact with industry professionals. But for many, this is the first time they will have had their academic performance assessed by people other than teachers a new environment which for many is way outside their comfort zone. These strange people from industry who are the judges are blunt, to the point and very knowledgeable. Understanding how judges think and how they would approach the judging process is useful knowledge for all competitors. Today we're talking to David Pell Freeman about the judging of portfolios and somewhat more specifically enterprise portfolios. Portfolios are not only a useful tool for the assessment process, but they also allow students to showcase their body of work in a way which can help them apply for their first career role. Welcome, David. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. Maybe we should start by you giving us a bit of background in your career and how you got involved in the whole judging process. I graduated with uh, an honours in mechanical engineering back in the UK many moons ago and worked in engineering for a bit. Then moved over to IT and uh, did an MBA and a law degree and a master's in law while I was working and moved into consulting and then into project management. And now I've got my own CRM, customer relationship management and project management consultancy. So how did you get involved in the process of judging? In this case, so, your schools? Yeah, so... What happened was my son, Charles, got involved in F1 in schools. So we actually selected the school. Uh, he went to Trinity, uh, partly on the basis of the uh, F1 in schools program we have there, which is very strong. And he got into F1 in schools and was really excited about it. And I wanted to, to help him. And obviously, I know nothing at all. Didn't want my help, but I still wanted to be involved. So I reached out to Deb and she said she's looking for judges. So um, that's how I got started funny how our children don't want us involved sometimes <laughs> my little <laughs> girls don't want me involved very often either so yes so now, so now when he says what do you know i said well i'm just the lead enterprise judge what do i know so how did judging how did judges approach the judging process and you're you're talking about portfolios maybe you can explain the difference between engineering portfolio and enterprise and, and how would you approach that that exercise of looking at these portfolios the key thing for us is we use the judging criteria. So the, the enterprise portfolio, we're, we're looking at 
evidence that you know we, they've got good project management, they've, they've engaged their stakeholders, they've understood risk management, how they've done their finances, how they've done their, their evaluation, how they've got their skill, how their skills are going to be used in the future. And we're really looking very closely at the criteria that's in the regulations. And that, that's, that's the basis of it. So really the, the judges, you know, F1 in schools, it's a fantastic program. It's not just about building a fast car, but it's about showing how you've gone about the process of building that car how you've developed your team, how you've got your sponsorship, how you've managed your scope, how you've managed your budget, how you've managed your risks, and all those really great skills that are very, very relevant to um, future careers. I would have thought none of those are part of the existing criteria or um, learning process within schools. I mean, we're really stepping kids way outside what they would do at school. Absolutely. And what's amazed me is I also um, mentor some master's students at one of the Melbourne universities and some of the quality of the, the top F1 in schools teams is actually better. Their project management is actually better than some of the master's students at uni. So that they're, they're, some of the, the kids are just absolutely fantastic, although it's way outside of their comfort zone. You know, I, I work in project management. I consult to major corporations on project management. And some of these kids, by the end of the program in the world, really get it like they are on top of it. I'm blown away by some things I think I sat in on your son making an engineering presentation at the world final and and I was gobsmacked up. They were talking engineering in terms that I could not understand. They were way in front. They were bringing new technology in that I had no perspective of how it was used. So I'm, I'm always impressed. Yeah, I mean, he, he did once ask me to help with some computational fluid dynamics. And yeah, I was... Even though I've got an honours degree in engineering, I was stuck. He was way ahead of where I was. The judges score against the scorecard, so it's important for the kids to read the rule book and to follow that scorecard and to make sure they attach on each of those elements. Absolutely. And, and you know, I've had a team recently ask me, you know, we put some other stuff in the portfolio. Did you mark that? I said to them, look, it was, it was great content. It was really nice, but it wasn't relevant. It's, we are purely marking on the criteria, the judging criteria that's in the rules. So it's probably worth talking a little bit about how we go about that. We are primarily just looking at the, the written document, at the, um, the, the portfolio. So the process we generally do is, well, this applies at states, at nationals and at worlds, is we look at the, um, the criteria and we get the portfolios out and we have a read through to all of them to get a feel for where they are. And then we take the first question, the, f- the first criteria, which is usually um, team roles and tasks. We look at what, what the criteria is, so, you know, that the, in, the, in the rules it says there's low developing advanced scoring from, from 1 to 20 or 1 to 10 depending on which division they're in and then what we do is we then look at the portfolios and say well how, how have each of the portfolios scored and the, usually there's three judges and we go through each of the portfolios and look at those then what we do and this, this is a really important bit that people need to understand is we then rank those portfolios for that particular question so we'll say is portfolio from team A They've scored five. Is and another team has also scored five. Is this one better or worse than that one? And we do that for all the portfolios. So it takes a long time. So it means, to say, if we've got twenty portfolios to judge, we will have all those portfolios in order from the the best to the worst based on that judging criteria. And then we'll reassess to see if the scores we've given them are right. So do they make sense? And if we've got a fair spread across those portfolios based on the criteria. So often I find that um, teams come back and said, hey, I, you know, I came top in states and I had exactly the same content at nationals and we, we were way down the pecking order. And the reason for that is because we're, we're not only looking at the scoring criteria, but also ranking them. So we're looking at them relative to the other people, the other portfolios who are, who are in that competition. 
And that's why sometimes teams do very well at states and not so well at nationals because they're being compared against other, um, other portfolios. So at a state level, a lot of the teams are judged in a sense just on their value against the scorecard. But as they step up into a national, international final, it's, a, it's about a ranking process. You've got to, we've got to come out with a winner. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got, we can't have everyone scoring 20 marks and everything because then we won't have a winner. And there is only going to be one winner at F1 in schools, and we need to make sure we've got a, a fair distribution, and we need to make sure we've we've scored that, you know, impartially and fairly. And one of the things we do is, as well as the ranking, if there's anybody who's got a, a conflict of interest, so for example, I couldn't mark anything to do with my son's portfolios, or indeed his school, and at Worlds, I can't actually mark anything to do with any, any team from my country. And because I'm a dual national, there was debate whether I couldn't mark the English teams as well. So that we're very much making sure that, you know, there's just not a, not just a conflict of interest, but no perceived conflict of interest. The other thing is if we have any disputes or questions, so there is an escalation process, say at, at um, nationals this year, I was, I was lead enterprise judge. And if there's any disputes amongst the three markers, they'd escalate it up to me and we'd discuss. And then there was one occasion where I wasn't 100% sure, so I'd escalate up to the lead judge and just make sure that my decision's valid. So we're very clear that it's not just on the whim of a judge. We, we make very sure that we, we've got a, a fair view um, and everyone's reviewed it. And at Worlds, you know, we really, really make sure that ideas are being judged completely fairly. Because some people may not like the way a portfolio is done or a question's been answered. And sometimes we'll, the, the lead judges will have to come in and say, well, actually, I think you're having a bit of bias there and we'll make sure that doesn't, doesn't impact them. Within that content, you know, I think you nearly alluded to the presentation versus the words. How, do, how would you rate visually good presentation how does that rate in the scoring system as compared to the words that are written and is there some balancing between those two um, concepts so there's there's two things so you've got to remember that we are judging off the criteria for example for you know the, for, for, for the, the enterprise portfolio there's criteria for team roles scope management and things but also there's criteria for separate criteria for quality of production quality of content organization layout design typography photo and images so if a portfolio is really well laid out and really well organized that's great and they will get well scored for that in terms of the design and layout and things but content is key so if you've got a, a an engineering portfolio or uh, an enterprise portfolio that, that's beautifully designed but the content's not there then we can't give you the marks so you need to have both you need to have good content to get the marks for the for the for the criteria that apply to that and you also need to have good layout and good and clear design to get the to get the marks for that as well, in a separate category. In terms of layout and design, are there um, things that you could recommend to kids on how they might lay out? Um, what's the format? Uh, do they clutter? Do they unclutter? Do they use make, white make space? It, make it as easy to read as possible. So yeah, plenty of white space. Make it clear. Make it consistent. And really, you know, have a template. Get that locked in. Try not to make it too complicated. You know, have consistent fonts, consistent typefaces, similar images, similar colours, and, and that makes that makes a big difference to your parents. When a student puts together a portfolio, do they assume that the judges know nothing? I mean, where where in the journey um, of taking a judge through responding to a question should they start that discussion? So what we find, like at World, some of the some of the top teams, what they did, they had a table of contents at the start of their. Um, portfolio but they also had a table that says for each of the judging criteria this is where it is in this portfolio so a lot of the teams you know that they will go through say criteria 5.1 will be on page one criteria 5.2 will be on page two 5.3 will be on page three so it makes it very clear it's very easy to follow them but but sometimes you say evaluation 
the really good teams have evaluation on every single page and the top teams will have in their index at the front, this is where the evaluation is. You know, it's on pages one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. So they make it very, very clear for the judges to see and follow where they need to look for things. Because otherwise, it can take us time to, to find things in, in portfolios. And we, we've had occasions, you know, we, we had one at Worlds where we really struggled to find it. And we had to, three of us went through the portfolio and eventually found it. It was in at the back of the document, but we, we did find it. But it, it, we almost missed it. So when you talk about evaluation, you're talking about that little summary thing that says this is the summary of what we're trying to yeah. get across? Yeah, because one of the, the criteria for, for that is you know, evaluation. And it you know, states there's 10 marks for that. And if they've got evaluation processes applied throughout the management of key deliverables, and sometimes they'll have that on evaluation for every single step and how they've gone about that, the process they've gone through that. So they might have a summary page on evaluation, but they must have evaluation on every single page and what they've done there as well. So in a sense, they are taking you guys as, as judges on the journey, making sure that you can follow the, the root instructions, if yep. I talk in rally terms, uh, and yep. get, get to the end and know when to turn left and when to turn right. If they haven't got that in there, it makes it a lot harder. And they will sort of, they will lose points. So there's, there's a criteria called content organization, 6.3 in, in states, in Australia. And there's, you know, the advance for that is highly organized and managed portfolio content with logical structure and flow. So if they've got that nice table of contents, that nice index, all that thing, they'll get top marks in that. So looking back, uh, if you were to advise some students, what's the biggest failing that you normally see, the thing that stands out above all of the others? So often uh, we, we, we've had we had a situation at, at nationals. I think it was two years ago where one team had an entire section in the wrong portfolio. So they had their their whole project management, their time scope management in their engineering portfolio rather than their enterprise portfolio, and they had to score zero for it. So read the, my, my biggest thing is read the judging criteria and make sure you address that. There is I've seen teams waste pages on stuff that's just not relevant that they're really proud of, but doesn't actually score them any points. The other thing that I really, that we're really, really clamping down on is plagiarism. So, and the way to, and, and we've had teams who've, you know, put in diagrams and not referenced them. So every single diagram, every single table, every single picture you have in there, even if you've taken it and created it yourself, put a little footnote in there that it's your diagram or your your picture or your table. If you've got it from somewhere else or you've referenced it, put a reference in saying, I got this from this Wikipedia page or I got it from this textbook or whatever it is, but put that reference in. At Worlds, we had two teams who had an identical diagram that wasn't referenced. So we did a Google image search and found that they'd actually copied it from somewhere else. Yeah, we certainly, we've introduced uh, now just a relationship with Turnitin. So all of the portfolios that students produce now will be push through, turn it in, so there's no conflict of interest between the year before or team, other teams in the school that all has to be original work, and that is a big push from, well, I think it's driven out of Australia, really, for the rest of the world now. They're also doing that whole plagiarism thing. But there was there was one team, I remember at Worlds, actually talked about their, their local sponsors um, from in the surrounding area of Germany, where they were, but actually this team wasn't from Germany, they're from another part of Europe. And this was copied verbatim from a, a previous year. So, yeah, they, they certainly got very heavily penalised for that. In a sense, the process we're doing with all of the judging, the way you're judging and the way you're being tough on plagiarism and the, the, making sure that students read the question and answer the question, one might say, is really setting them up for industry. It's, a, it's forcing them into this exactly the same environment that they would be faced with if they were in a job. Absolutely, you know, at university, if you plagiarise, you will, you will, um, you will fail. And at some universities, people have been expelled from university for blatant plagiarism. So yeah, it, it's very key. 
and it's a great habit to get into just referencing everything you've got it'll, it'll make it a lot easier for later life in a sense just on the portfolio development are there any other specific tips that you might want to give teams a couple of things in terms of printing i've don't whatever you do there's one team that laminates that has laminated their pages and that look absolutely terrible use the best quality print you can get it professionally printed get it professionally bound and again we, we had a team at uh, nationals this year that had done a pretty good job on binding and a pretty good job on printing but they'd used different binders on the two portfolios and they weren't quite as good a quality as others and we as i say we're, we're judging relatively so we're looking at the other teams that have got slightly higher quality binders that were consistent so as, as one of the criteria you know they, they lost a, they lost a bit of a few marks for that so really just make sure you, you get it professionally printed and professionally bound and have it consistent so you've had an opportunity to judge at state finals national finals and also as a world final yeah two worlds now how do you see the students growing through that journey the, the thing that amazes me i mean the, the jump from from states to nationals is obviously big but the, the jump from from nationals to worlds is huge and kids if you get an opportunity to go to worlds go it is just the most amazing experience i mean i've, I've been to you know major events run by major software corporations and, and this is on that sort of standard like the, the quality of production the quality of the facilities the quality of everything is just incredible and the thing that really amazes me and kind of shocks the teams there that you know, like one of the trinity teams went to Singapore and they had a portfolio and a, and a car that was as good as the, the one the year before and they were feeling really, really confident and they got there and yeah, they were as good as the previous year but the standard jumps every year. So every year, the standard of everything. The portfolios get better, the cars get faster, everything improves dramatically. So when you get to Worlds, the standard just jumps immediately and it jumps every year as well. Do you think Australian students are responsible for driving that jump at times? I think they are, yeah. I mean, how many world how many world champions have we had now? First six seconds, five thirds. I think we've won best engineered the best engineered award about ten out of thirteen. So our kids have certainly on the engineering front are producing the best engineering in the world. Yeah, and 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 that really shows. I mean, just you know, the industry collaboration as well, working with manufacturing firms, working with universities. It's just incredible. I mean, I remember they were one of the Trinity teams going to see Monash Uni and, you know, the guys at Monash were just blown away by the level of CAD they were doing and uh, computational fluid dynamics. They were like, wow, these guys really, really understand their stuff. So the recommendation um, is to do as much collaboration as possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is, you know, there are rewards for collaboration and, it, and it's going to get you points as well. Um, and you'll be working with, you know, people in industry and people in, in universities. And this will, this will help you get into university and get a job later on as well. Got a couple of personal questions. Far away. You've been to two world finals, I think Singapore and Abu Dhabi, is that correct? Yes, that's right. As a traveller, you've been many places, but uh, how did you find uh, both of those events and what was it like to be a judge in that environment? Singapore as a venue was fantastic. The Hard Rock Cafe was just, it was just, a, the Hard Rock Hotel, sorry, was, was just an amazing venue. Um, we were all there on site at the same place. It was like the, the venue was just first class. Everything was just really well organised there. Really, really good event. I think the kids had an absolute ball as well. Really enjoyed that. It was full. I didn't like judging at um, nationals and states is 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 fairly busy, but judging at worlds is was really, really busy. Like I was flat out the whole time, and we had to. And because the pressure's on, because there's so much riding on it 
for the kids, you've got to make, we had to make sure that everything was, was checked 100%, that we 100% agreed with the process, we 100% agreed with the scoring, and that we'd absolutely gone through every portfolio and every single criteria and benchmarked it against all the others for every single question. So that took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And there was some that, you know, we, we, we'd been through and we'd been through and scored it and then we came back and reevaluated it and checked it and some of them moved around a bit. So, yeah, we really wanted to make sure we were 100% happy with the result because you know, some of these kids, you know, win full scholarships to university out of it. So it, there's a lot riding on it. It's not something we, we took lightly. So, and, and Abu Dhabi was, um, look, Abu Dhabi was, was good, but I, I think, um, and as, as judges, we were really, really well looked after at Abu Dhabi. I think the thing with Abu Dhabi was that the venue was... A, a bit of a walk from the hotel, and I think some of the, the organisation in of like we're trying to get bu- like the organisers trying to get buses and things in Abu Dhabi that didn't turn up when they booked. So there's a few things running against them in Abu Dhabi. I think um, and maybe the efficiency but, you know, of Abu Dhabi rather than the efficiency of Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, but I mean we did have at Abu Dhabi we did have the um, the presentation on turn one of the um, at the Marina Bay circuit, which was which was spectacular. So that that was that was amazing. And one of the drivers turning up and all the team bosses turning up. That that was that was pretty pretty cool as well. What do you think students get out of competing in safe winning schools and going to a world final? Firstly, two parts of this question, and and what do you, as a parent, see that Charles got out of the process? I, I see it. It builds great skills for the future. It builds great teamwork. I've seen with my own son. He's developed enormously since he started doing F1, so he's become a lot more confident. He's become a much, much better public speaker. First time he's interviewed on TV for the Worlds, he was sort of mumbling, looking down the shoes. Then he got interviewed. He was on Channel 9 and Channel 7 last year when uh, we brought the uh, McLaren to Trinity. And, you know, he did a fantastic interview, like looking straight at the camera, really confident, really, really good. It's, 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 it's been great on a whole number of levels. It's really helped with schoolwork. It's really helped with maths, helped with a whole number of things. And, and it's also made him really focused. So, you know, he's been working while he was doing F1. He was working incredibly hard on it, doing 20, 20 hours plus, 30 hours a week sometimes, making sure the, his CAD designs, the engineering, everything was was the best it could be. It's amazing when you say that they're sitting for their, working towards their high school certificate or VCE in Victoria and the kids are still doing 20 or 30 hours a week on F1. It's quite remarkable. And they seem to... One feeds to the other and seems to have them improve their performance in their school studies based on the experience they get from doing F1 in schools or subs in schools. Yeah, absolutely. I think what it does, because they're so focused on that, it means they just, it forces them to be organised and everything else. It forces them to get on with the homework, get on with their studies, get on with everything else so they can do their F1 in schools. Trinity Grammar is a, has a long history with F1 in schools with now two F1 first places, but what do you think the role of the teacher and the school's enthusiasm go into helping the students along the way? Yeah, look, I mean, there's Peter Clinton at um, Trinity who's just been fantastic. He has the patience of a saint. I remember when we, when we, were, when we were getting ready to go to Singapore and, you know, the, the plane was literally leaving in two hours and the boy's going, oh, let's just change this in the portfolio. Let's reprint it. And I'm going, guys, we, we should have been at the airport a while ago. And Peter's just completely calm, completely relaxed. And, and what I, I love about the way Peter works is he, he lets the children, the kids do it themselves. He lets them make mistakes. He'll, he'll give them advice. But if you want to do it that way, that's fine. Off you go. Whereas I've seen some other, some other schools at Worlds where you can tell, you, we can tell that it's the teachers have driven far more than they should have done. And we saw some behaviours from some of the teachers at Worlds that, that was called out. I think in Australian culture, when we're out competing, we, we certainly is a, a, an honest system about how we participate and how we compete. And 
and sometimes you don't see that in other other countries. And I, I think for students to experience all of the other nations and all, and the different cultures and roles in a competitive environment is a great thing for them to learn themselves. Absolutely. I mean, one of one of the things we also do um, with portfolio, you know, it, as I said, is mainly judged on the um, on the on the portfolio. Occasionally, we, we will we will have a chat with the teams directly just to clarify a few things. And and sometimes, you know, if if we think things haven't been done by the kids, we'll have a chat with them, and that 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 comes out very very quickly. I was going to say, if you um, were to give some recommendations to other to industry to be involved or to mentors to come along and judge, what would your encouragement be for another adult who's even just thinking about doing this? I have absolutely loved being a judge. I mean, my son's now finished on F1 in schools, and I'm still still involved with it. So. I was judging at, um, I was training at Nationals uh, earlier this year. And I was hoping to go to Worlds, but I think that might be, uh, it's going to be next year now. But yeah, I mean, I'm still keen to still keen to be involved. I've, I've had such a good time, met some really good people, made some great friends out of it. And just seeing these kids, how great they are, they're just going to, you can tell they're going on to do wonderful things. Also, you know, just the whole F1 experience has been fantastic. As judges, you know, we got to, we got to go with the kids on the, on the paddock tour and meet the drivers and meet the team managers. And that's just an experience money just can't buy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd recommend anyone who's got a, even a vague interest in engineering or marketing, get involved. You make some great contacts, meet some great people, have some great experiences. But is it important for industry to also get heavily involved in, in the process of working with teams and schools? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I know some of the, 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 the organisations that my son's been involved with that has reached out to, you know, they've been really impressed with, with the work they've done and been, you know, got, got some great ideas, got, got some great ideas from the kids and it's also given them some connections as well through some of the other sponsors that, that their team's got. So they've introduced them to other other businesses which they've been able to make some business connections with. Well, David, that's been absolutely wonderful having a chat with you. I mean, maybe we'll come back and do another one soon when we, if we find some other things I want to ask you about. As a last word, what... what what would you say to students about the process or about just participating in general? I wish I'd had F1 at schools when I was, uh, when I was uh, growing up. It, it's absolutely fantastic program. You will learn so much. You'll make some great friends. You'll do some great things. You know, remember when, when you go to, to Worlds, there's 50-odd teams all trying to win the World Championships. The only one of them is going to win it. So be in it for the competition. Try to win. But don't be disheartened when you don't. Because, um, you know, some of the teams that have gone on and, and done really well even got in the top 10 have gone on to do great things have got great places at university as a result and quite a few of them have gone on, on into industry and you know people have used their f1 experience at interviews with for protective employers once once they, even when they finished uni to talk about what they've done well, i very much appreciate the time you've taken to talk to us and i'm sure that the students will um, appreciate the feedback that you've given them and and uh david um, thank you my pleasure thanks for having me on the show